service this evening. It's good to see you all. Uh, This evening, John, our pastor, is going to start a new series on 2 Corinthians. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. And uh, after the first song uh, this evening, John's going to come up and and introduce some of that uh, for us. Uh, But we're going to start our service tonight by asking God to help us and be with us this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've all made it here this evening. Lord, we thank you um, for the technology that we have as well, so that uh, people can watch through the camera and join in from wherever they are. Lord, we we pray that you'd be with them uh, in their situation and be with us in the building here. Lord, I pray that as we uh, look at your word this evening, Lord, I pray that it would be a real blessing to us. Lord, especially as we look at this theme of uh, help in hard times. Lord, I pray that it would be a real blessing to many of us. So Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, I pray that we would listen. Lord, we pray these these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, uh, the title this evening is Helping Hard Times. And uh, maybe you can resonate with that at the moment. And uh, the first song that we're going to stand and think about is, um, well, it speaks about storms, it speaks about difficulties, it speaks about suffering, especially in the second half of it. But look at what it focuses us on as we uh, think about God's presence. Lord, I come before your throne of grace. I find rest in your presence and fullness of joy. In worship and wonder, I behold your face, singing, what a faithful God have I. So we're going to stand and reflect on this, and then John's going to come up after. Thanks, John.
Well, an introduction, a scene setter, hopefully an appetizer to 2 Corinthians. Going to take a little while to do this at the outset. We'll give you a slightly shorter sermon later to counterbalance. Which is the most personal of Paul's letters? 2 Corinthians. Which is the most emotional of Paul's letters? 2 Corinthians, I'd say. Which letter bears most of his struggles and hardships? I'd say 2 Corinthians. I've been impressed by 2 Corinthians, helped by 2 Corinthians. I've preached on 2 Corinthians at different points in different places, but we've never looked at it as a whole. And as I read it recently, I thought it would be good to go through the letter of 2 Corinthians and look at this part of God's Word in our evening services. I'm going to read some of the verses uh, to give you a little bit of a feel as an introduction just at this point. But um, to start with, I'll give an illustration which may help, I hope. Stomach tablets. Imagine you have stomach problems. Uh, You go to the doctor for help, and you've got a good doctor, he's qualified, and uh, he gives you some medication, a prescription, Uh, it comes to you, it's in a plain box, but you start to take it, and the stomach problem comes under control. You then see uh, on your computer um, an ad for special stomach tablets. They don't only solve the problem of your stomach ache, but they make you feel good. It's a big, uh, colourful ad. And there are smart, handsome, beautiful people selling it on the advert. There's no medical research to back it up, but it it is packed in in shiny, uh, colourful, glossy boxes. Uh, You feel drawn to it. It costs money, yes, but you ditch the old tablets and you start taking the new tablets. You have high hopes, after all, because of the advert. But soon the stomach ache returns. You get cramps in your stomach. You're in a bad way. You're actually hospitalised. You go and see the doctor again. You must keep to the original proper medication, he, she says. You must leave the other stuff. You do, and you return to the tablets. But you know what the internet's like. You keep getting these pop-up ads of the previous medication. You know it didn't help, but it still does look impressive. Glossy. Sounds so good. You've got half a mind to order some more of those fake tablets. Well, that's a bit like the situation we have here as we go into 2 Corinthians The Apostle Paul, the qualified person, the Apostle from God, had given good medication, the Gospel, to the Corinthians. They'd been drawn away by an impressive alternative. Then the doctor has put them right, but there's still a temptation. The letter is to Corinth plus, if I can. Corinth plus. Let's go to the start of the letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, an apostle, a sent one, by the will of God, somebody with credentials, the right person, uh, the real deal, if you like. Timothy's alongside him. Timothy, our brother. The church is written to, the letter's written to the church of God. It's God's church that is at 
Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole area of Achaia. So it's to Corinth, but Corinth plus. Paul had been to Corinth on one of his missionary journeys. There is Corinth on the map. It's in Greece. Uh, You can see in the yellow blob where Corinth is. Achaia is the region that it's part of. And Paul was writing to Corinth and to Achaia. He'd gone in Acts 18 to Corinth, brought the gospel there. The church had started. He'd spent 18 months with them as a church. This was in AD 51-52, we actually know that. Well, things hadn't gone all that well after his visit to Corinth. In the months and years that followed, reports came, uh, letters were dispatched, there were concerns. In fact, although we're looking at two Corinthians, in fact, you could say we're looking at four Corinthians. Because... 1 Corinthians refers to a letter he sent before. And then you have the letter of 1 Corinthians sent to this church. There were reports of disunity and there were issues coming around gifts and singleness, eating habits, head coverings, communion, the resurrection of the dead. And 1 Corinthians gave them some help speaking into those issues. Paul must have visited. But there were still difficulties. So Paul wrote another letter, a straight letter, a painful letter. Here's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and verse 4. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. He sent a corrective letter. That was, if you like, three Corinthians. And now we have four Corinthians. They'd come under bad influences. The people that influenced them didn't think of themselves as bad. Though they wouldn't claim to be superman, they were claiming to be super apostles. Here's 11 verse 5. For if someone comes, and you'll see something of what they were bringing, these super apostles here, it was different, it was dangerous. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we have proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you have received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you have accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. And these bad influences, this glossy ad from the internet, if you like, given a different medication, they were bad-mouthing Paul. They were looking down to him. He wasn't an impressive individual. They were a cut above him. They were a boastful bunch. There was a lot about boasting in this letter of 2 Corinthians. Here's chapter 5 and verse 12 so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. I think this might speak to our society and some of the dangers for us as a church, don't you? 
So Paul wrote the painful letter. And he was deeply concerned as to whether the painful letter would make any difference. He's waiting for Titus to come back with news about how the situation is there in Corinth. And the news that comes back is good. The Corinthians have largely realised their ways and are back on board with the gospel and with the truth of Christ and the apostle. What a relief to Paul this is. You get a snapshot of it in chapter 7 of this letter, verse 4. I am filled with comfort in all our infliction. I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted in every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also the comfort which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I have rejoiced still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. And the first 7 chapters of this letter... 2 Corinthians, are really about the Corinthians being back on track and Paul encouraging them back on track with the gospel that they had originally received. And these chapters have got loads of lessons for us about the difficulties of ministry, about the greatness of the gospel, about serving, about living differently, about true repentance. They are rich, feeling chapters things that will help us get on back on track if we need to and keep us on track. One of the things that they had forgotten, they'd left behind, was their giving plans. They were going to give to help the poor believers in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers, and they needed to be reminded of this. A giving is an important aspect of our life, but it had a wider significance of the unity of the Christian church and their commitment to the gospel. So that leads us to two rather carefully crafted, rich chapters in 8 and 9, where he encourages them to finish off the giving that they planned. Now, although these super-apostles, these false, boastful teachers were pushed to the outside, they were still a menace and they were still influencing some. The ads were still popping up and enticing some of them. So the third section of the letter, 10 to 13, really, in that Paul defends his gospel, the truth, his ministry, against the super-apostles and he challenges them about their teaching. He wants them all to be sound in the faith, a healthy church. He wants them to be a platform for the gospel to go further beyond Corinth. He tells them of his plans to come to them a third time. And he wants that to be a good occasion. Forward-looking, building up. Not a time of painful challenge and bringing down. 
And so towards the end of his letter, in chapter 13 and verse 10, he says, For this reason I write these things while I'm away from you, that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. In this letter, Paul relays a lot of his own weaknesses. He fights the battles with the superheroes with weakness and a saviour, not with strength. This is one of the themes of 2 Corinthians. If I go back one, can you do back one for me, Rachel? Let me get that last point again. Real ministry is weak yet strong. Strength in weakness. I think that's going to be quite relevant for us as we've experienced a lot of weakness in this COVID time. One of the verses you get is nicely summarised by this picture. We have this treasure in broken clay pots. Strength in weakness. So there's a a little flavour, a hope, a scene setter, and I hope an appetiser for what lies ahead in 2 Corinthians. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to digging into 2 Corinthians in the coming weeks. We're going to uh, pray now to God again. Heavenly Father, I pray uh, that you would help us to stop and to pray to you. Lord, we were thinking this morning uh, that praying is not always easy. Lord, many of us find praying difficult, especially sometimes And Lord, so we pray for your help as we pray now. Lord, give us your strength to focus, to have the right heart attitude. Lord, do help us, I pray. Lord, we we praise you for your love and your faithfulness. Lord, to your children, Lord, you are a good God. And Lord, we thank you so much for that. Lord, we we praise you for being perfect. Lord, you are holy. You are powerful. You are trustworthy. And Lord, you are a God who is greater than the evil we face on earth. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would open up our eyes to see uh, more of the evil that is around us. Lord, help us to be more sensitive to see how you see. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be hearts that hate evil. Lord, hearts that love you so much, Lord, that we detest anything that you detest. Lord, I pray that we would uh, desire you and that we would flee from evil. Lord, so often we can find ourselves getting so cosy with things that you hate. Lord, I pray that you would would not lead us into temptation. Uh, But Lord, I pray that you would deliver us from evil and from the evil one and draw us closer to yourself. And Lord, we look forward to that time as Christians when you will return. Lord, many of us were thinking about that last Sunday morning. 
Lord, the time when you will return, when you will make things new again, when you will restore your creation. Lord, I pray that we would look forward to that. Lord, it wouldn't just be something that we know in our minds or in our heads that that is going to happen at some point, but Lord, I pray that that would be a reality in our minds that that focuses us, that that impacts our decisions in life and everything we do. It, It impacts our motives. Lord, come, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't grow tired of doing good. Lord, we see that in Galatians 6. Lord, may we not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And Lord, sometimes it can be difficult to keep going. Maybe we've found that over the the last year there have been setbacks, there have been difficult times and we can grow tired. But Lord, I pray that we wouldn't. Lord, I pray that in you, Lord, in your strength, that we would keep going, knowing, Lord, that we will reap that harvest because of you, Lord. You are, uh, it is your harvest. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to keep going, to persevere. Lord, we thank you so much for Sunday school this morning. Lord, I thank you that there are a good number of children. I thank you for the work and the effort that the teachers put in. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless their efforts. Lord, we were thinking in this morning's service about children coming to you and how you say, no, let them come. And Lord, that is so encouraging for any of us who have children or work with children. And Lord, I pray that as adults, Lord, that we would come to you, not childishly, but in a childlike way. Lord, humble and dependent. Lord, we pray for home groups this week, uh, this coming Thursday. Lord, I thank you for them. Lord, I thank you that because they're a different format, Lord, we can learn from each other. Lord, I thank you for the many different people in our church. Lord, I thank you that there are older ones and there are younger ones. Lord, there's younger ones we can learn from those who are older than us. And and older ones can be blessed by those who are younger. And uh, Lord, I just pray especially for those home groups. Lord, that there be a real time of learning, of bedding in the truths that we're hearing on a Sunday. Uh, Be times of fellowship, times of supporting each other, that we'd learn from each other's experiences and wisdom. And Lord, that there may be times of growth in your kingdom. Lord, I want to pray again uh, and bring before you the family of uh, Jenny Howell. Lord, it has been news that has uh, shocked many of us, some of us particularly who knew her well. Um, Lord, it is so sad. And Lord, I pray that you would give great comfort to all those who are broken at this time, who are in shock at this time. Lord, I thank you that you are the great comforter. And Lord, I pray for those who know you, who uh, are closely involved, some of them here. Lord, I pray that you would richly uh, give them wisdom, give them words to say, to comfort others. And Lord, do help them at this time. Lord, I thank you that you are the God who has defeated even death. Lord, I thank you that there is hope. And we praise you for that. Lord, we thank you uh, that you are a God who does bless us. And Lord, we thank you for times of rest. 
And Lord, we thank you for John and Esther. Lord, we thank you that they had a good holiday. Lord, we thank you for bringing them back safely to us. And we thank you for John's messages already today. And I pray that you bless him again as he speaks again soon. Lord, I thank you for that rest. I pray that it would have done them good. And that you would bless them as they serve us. Uh, often with uh, burdens that many of us know nothing about. Lord, do strengthen them, help them as they lead. And Lord, maybe as they, they face temptations or uh, darts from the devil, uh, from the evil one, because they are uh, leaders of this church, Lord, do protect them, strengthen them, encourage them, help them. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us all, Lord, as we look at 2 Corinthians together. Lord, I pray that it is something that we'd be engaged by, that we'd be humble and hungry to listen and to learn. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be tender. Lord, there is so much that is so relevant for us. Lord, help us to listen, help us to take it in. Do help John as he speaks in a few minutes, I pray. And may we go away from this place knowing that we have met with you and that you have spoken to us. So Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before uh, John comes up again, we're going to sing, or at least reflect on, uh, our next song. Uh, This points our eyes firmly towards God as we face different burdens in life. It's, uh, he gives more grace, and this is what it says. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus... He giveth and giveth and giveth again. Let's stand and reflect on this.
Well, before John comes up, I was meant to do this before the song. Uh, We're going to read the passage that John's going to speak on, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. We've seen that 2 Corinthians is a real, authentic letter, a letter full of struggles. And in our our first section, we we really do jump into those struggles. Uh, The verses that Mark read for us are really down-to-earth verses. I've called the theme, Help in Hard Times. Um, I don't know if you do this when you're looking at the Bible, maybe with your own Bible or if you print it off, but it can be sometimes helpful to highlight key words in a certain section to get an idea of what the main message is. I often do that. I've done that with this. And uh, I found that there are two main words in our section, two main themes. I've got them in uh, green and I've got them in blue for this evening. The first word is affliction. We're going to spend a a bit of time on both the words, a bit more on the second one as we unpack that, but the first one is affliction or um, hardship. 
The word comes in as affliction and sufferings in this, uh, in this, in this letter at the start. Affliction and suffering. That's what I've got in blue. I tend to pick blue for the darker, sort of less encouraging words and then a brighter colour for some of the others. And you have it here in verse four. Perhaps you can track it if you've got it in your, uh, if you've got your Bibles open. Always a good thing. You get it a couple of times in verse four, verse five, sufferings, verse six, a couple of times, afflicted, sufferings, verse seven, sufferings, verse eight, affliction, So, hardship, or the word really means pressure, coming under, feeling burdened. Now, the superhero Christians made claims of an easy life, but that wasn't uh, Paul's experience, that wasn't the Corinthians' experience, and that's not your experience, is it? Man is born to trouble, says the Bible. There's lots of trouble in life in general. The Christian life brings sometimes extra trouble and doesn't spare you from all the previous troubles. Christian ministry, leadership, service can have additional troubles on top of this. Hardship. It can be physical. Later in the letter, Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh. Ouch, just the very sound of it. Painful, constant, humbling. In 2 Corinthians it talks about feeling as though he's wasting away, the outward person is perishing. Physical hardship. It can be mental hardship. In one of the readings we had, the words were downcast and restless. It can be in the treatment of others which Paul had certainly experienced in terms of persecution as a Christian. Later in the letter, he talks about his troubles. In fact, he lists quite a lot of them in 2 Corinthians 11. And he's had miles more than most of us. Beatings, whippings, shipwrecks, sleepless nights, hunger, dangerous travels, endless labours, experiencing the cold, daily pressures and anxiety, especially in his concern for the churches. And he wants them to know about his difficulties. You see that in verse 8, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia. You know, it's not always right to keep our troubles quiet. It's not wrong to share them, to admit our difficulties and our weaknesses. Others, including the super apostles, may look down on them, may look down on us. They might dismiss us because of our weakness, but that's life. That's the Christian life. That's Christian service. And see how severe this hardship was for Paul. Carry on in verse 8. For we were so utterly burdened that the weight was on us. 
It was just a massive weight crushing us in all the things that we were going through. We were utterly burdened, he says, beyond our strength. I was out of my depth. I didn't know how to cope. He carries on, we despaired even of life itself. I thought it was going to be the end. Verse 9, he carries on. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Time seemed to be up. I thought it was going to finish us off the difficulties that we were suffering. And in verse 10, he talks of a deadly peril. Hardship. Life. Christian life in service. Is life hard for you? Is the Christian life hard for you? Is Christian service pretty difficult at the moment? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't think that that's abnormal Christian experience. Don't let the super apostles, the impressive, victorious living Christians, uh, look down on you if that's your experience. Are you going through physical difficulties? You have disabilities and that's hard. You have ongoing pain, it's very wearing. You're increasingly weak and can't do what you'd like to do. You have mental issues as well, psychological issues. Perhaps depression has been something that you battle with. Maybe anxieties are constant in the pressure of your life. You're treated badly, perhaps, by those who should know better. Maybe you feel utterly burdened this evening. Beyond your strength, at your wit's end. Well, the Bible relates to that. 2 Corinthians relates to that. Paul relates to that. There is hardship in life, the Christian life and Christian service. There is big hardship, pressurising hardship. The word is almost like stress, really. It is easy going through stress when you just can't cope with what's coming your way. Hardship. So that's one of the word, and the Bible relates to it. But that doesn't mean there is not encouragement. It doesn't mean to say that being a Christian makes no difference in facing these things. And we come on to our second word this evening, which is the word comfort. Comfort. This comes up in the passage. This is my green highlighted word. In fact, it comes up more times than the affliction, the pressure and the sufferings. Scan down your passage if you've got it open. Can you see the word comfort? Have a little count as you go through. I won't give you too long, but I I come up with ten. I've got ten green highlights on my passage. Comfort. Comfort. It's a lovely word. When we think of comfort, perhaps we tend to think of fabric conditioner, which is very soft and softening. 
we think about um, nice duvets or pillows or armchairs. Well, the word is not quite like that in the Bible. The word really means to strengthen and to encourage and to fortify. It's not a million miles away, it is a consoling influence, but it's more strengthening than that. And I want to take you through some of the things it says here about comfort, because it might speak into your situation, or it might help you in helping others, or it might be of use to you in the future when you do face hardships as they will come. It's got a a vertical side, if you like, and a horizontal side to it. So the vertical, if I can put it that way, or comfort from God. He starts the letter focusing on God. It's good, 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 isn't it? And I just love to see how God is described at the start of this letter. This is something to remember in hardships, you know. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort. John said this morning, those who are here at 11.30, that Nick had said a couple of weeks ago that it's good in your prayers to think of different titles of God. I hadn't thought along those lines before. It's a good thought. And if you're going through hardship, this might be a title you want to grab for this time and to help you in prayer. You come to the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. I find that a wonderful description. He's the source of mercy, his nature of mercy. He gives comfort. He gives all sorts of comfort. He's the God of all comfort. Well, maybe that's helping already. You just think of your God and what he's like. Comfort. Comfort my, pe- your pe- my people, says your God. Isaiah 40, verse 1. But it's not just in his nature. It's also in his actions, verse 4. The God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction, in all our affliction. He is a God who comforts in the pressure, in the hardship, in the stress, in the difficulties. A God who comforts in hardship. Have you known that? You have known that, haven't you? Have a think about when you've known that. And you remember things, the life of a believer. You remember things to God has comforted me through those great difficulties. Psalm 119 says this in verse 50, often his word is the source of comfort. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. And that comfort is especially because we are in Christ. So verse 5 you have this. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, 
So through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Your hardship brings you closer to Jesus, don't you find? Have you found that? It just took me back to one. This might seem a bit random. Sorry about that, but it might just help. I remember I hadn't been converted long. Um, I was um, playing basketball at Beacon in the, the gym and uh, I don't know quite what happened, but I, I twisted my knee. This wasn't a little twist. This was really painful to me at that time. And perhaps because I was a new Christian and fresh in thinking things, one of the immediate thoughts I had was, oh, how how much pain must Jesus have gone through on the cross? If this is what it's like to get a twisted knee. And you've gone through different aspects of suffering and it's made you reflect on what Jesus went through with his sufferings. And if your sufferings are because of your faith, perhaps you've identified even more. And as you're closer to Jesus through what you go through, well, so also you're consoled by Jesus, aren't you? Because... Well, your main comforts come because you are in Christ. And so, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too because the great comforts come because of what Jesus did on the cross for you, his love for you, his resurrection. In our weaknesses and in our trouble, we lean on God, don't we? We're forced to lean on God. Our self-sufficiency is undermined and taken away. It's painful, we would prefer not to have it, but it does us good. Uh, This week of a a man who had to take up a temporary job, And his temporary job involved serving tea to 16-year-olds in the office and he felt it was a come down so he would go in the toilet sometimes and just burst into tears with the sadness of his situation. But he said later on, looking back, he learnt so much through that experience. The hardship led him to experience the comfort of God, led him to lean on God and undermined his self-sufficiency. Paul says something similar, verse 9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God teaches us through the hardships, the pressures, the pain. We don't enjoy it, we don't seek to go through it, but the Lord overrules it and it acts as our teacher. We have comfort from God, we get to know Christ better, we learn to trust in God more. The the hardships are the teachers. Have you ever come across uh, John Newton's, well it's a hymn but it's probably better off as a poem. Some of the wording is older but I think many of you can relate to this. I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. T'was he who taught me thus to pray and he, I trust, has answered prayer but it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. I hoped that in some favoured hour 
At once he'd answer my request and by his love, constraining power, subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more with his own hand, he seemed intent to aggravate my woe, crossed all the fair design that I schemed, humbled my heart and laid me low. Lord, why is this? I trembling cried, wilt thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayest find thy all in me. Comfort, comfort from God, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. The vertical side, but there is also here a horizontal side. The comfort from God often comes as comfort through others comes from God, the God of all comfort, but God uses others to give it to us. Trouble can have a binding effect. Hardship has a a binding effect. Paul himself found this. He found great comfort from the coming of Titus. We read that in chapter 7. And can you think of those who God has used to bring comfort to you? Sometimes it's been direct from his word as you've read it, but often it's been through others. If you have asked you your top three, I was thinking about this, what have been my top three situations where others have comforted me? One. Other situations helped. What a top three. God has used others to bring his word to encourage me in my hardship forms a strong bond. Uh, One of the reasons we go through trouble and get comforted is to comfort others. So verse 4 says, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort which we ourselves have been comforted by God. Comfort comes through others. It's part of the reason of suffering. I came off the phone this week, I was on the phone to Anne Bishop, I'd phoned uh, and uh, tried to encourage her, I hope it did, Uh, I read from uh, the Bible, we prayed and talked, but afterwards I felt a bit of a fraud, Um, I haven't had a, a major operation um, I don't want to know what it's like to have a joint replaced and especially a knee. And uh, I thought, I'm sure there are others who can offer bigger encouragement, be a bigger comfort because of what they have been through. What we have taken through helps us to be of use to others. I was talking to uh, Esther about this and she was saying of uh, the time when uh, she had a miscarriage many years ago before we had our first child and the number of phone calls she had from those who had had miscarriages and what a comfort it was to her at that time. 
And so if we have known bereavement, we can comfort others in their bereavement with the comfort that has been given to us. We've known comfort perhaps in unemployment or we've known comfort in mental illness or we've known comfort in dealing with a wild teenager or we've known comfort in singleness or in childlessness or in caring for an older relative and that is then used to be of comfort to others. I encourage you in what you've been through to seek to be a comfort to others. doesn't mean overwhelm them with extra advice. Sometimes it's just a listening, understanding ear. And an extra aspect of this is the mutual prayer concern that it generates. We like to think we can cope. We like to think we can cope alone. We're not meant to be like that. We're not made to be like that. We need the prayer of others. And Paul is willing to say that. So he says in the last of these verses, verse 11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Facing hardship is a joint project. God has put you in a community. You need the prayerful support of others. You've appreciated the prayerful support of others. There's a horizontal side to God's comfort. God comforts through others. One of the highlights of my week currently is Wednesday morning, 9 till 9.30. They started up in this Zoom period. Some of the the pastors in the Sussex Gospel Partnership have half an hour prayer time together over Zoom. We break into small groups and pray for one another. It's a tonic in the week. We're made to be benefited by the prayer and comfort of others. Listening to somebody this week on this, Marcus Nodder actually, he mentioned two songs which make this point well. They're not Christian songs, but I think actually they make the point well. The first is a Simon, Simon and Garfunkel song. It's how not to be. I am a rock. I am an island. I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendships. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. The second one, now I don't usually get my theology from the Beatles, you'll be glad to know, but this time they're actually more in line with two Corinthians. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way, but now these days are gone and I'm not so self-assured Now I find I've changed my mind, I've opened up the doors. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down and I do appreciate you being round. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? 2 Corinthians says, the Apostle Paul says, that God's comfort, the source of all comfort, the Father of mercies, so often comforts his people through others. 
What a blessing. Make the most of him. My prayer, as we've looked at this this evening, is that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, might apply what's been said to comfort you in your own hardships. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read through 3 to 11 again because I feel it's been a little bit all over the place and I think just to read it through to finish might pull some of these thoughts back together. Let's pray first. Oh Lord, life is, is hard and for some of us it's very hard and for some it's very, very hard. Help us to be thoughtful, understanding of one another in what we go through. We thank you, your word speaks into feeling, feeling burdened beyond measure and despairing of life itself. And it brings in comfort from you, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And it links us with Jesus and it teaches us lessons and we find deliverance through you. We thank you too for the blessing of others who are a source of comfort in their presence, in their words, in their help, in their prayers. May we be comforted from you and may we be involved with comforting one another. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me read through this passage again to bring those thoughts together. Blessed be, we could even have it, oh yeah, great, thank you Rachel. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort, comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Amen.